you, Deborah. I'm on. He said he'd handle that part of the, the microphone. Um, my name's Sarah Nemechek, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, and it's a, an honor to be here, privilege to be here today to do anything for Alcoholics Anonymous. It's especially special to be in person, you know, to see your faces um, and not on a screen. Um, I want to thank Jerry and the committee for asking me to be here today, um, for inviting me. And um, I thought Dixon did a great job. I appreciate it. He did, yeah. Um, I, a lot of what he said really resonated, and what's neat is that the way, I'm sure this was all strategic, but the way that he finished off really just leads in to where I'm picking up. So, um, my sobriety date's December 24th, 1998, and I'm a member of the Primary Purpose Group in Durham. Um, we meet, um, got some home group members here too. Um, and uh, it's nice to, to have some support um, doing things like this. And uh, so we meet on Tuesdays and Fridays in, in Durham. We only meet virtually. Our part of the state is very slow to open up. And uh, we would love to have you sign in if you want to. I was in Fayetteville last night virtually, as a matter of fact, speaking. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been fun to be able to visit uh, meetings all over the country and all over the world. So, um, okay, so I'm going to... Just quickly, like Dixon said, um, I'm going to quickly identify that I did drink, um, and then I'm going to transition into my topic, my specific topic. I'm not going to stay drunk and tell you my personal story. I'm going to hit on that topic, and the topic for me is practicing principles everywhere. Okay, so um, again, I, I'm from Wilson, North Carolina, so there's the Wilson corner, and um, that's where I was born and raised and did all my drinking and um and that's where I found the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous. Actually, let me rephrase that. I found the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous here in Sanford, North Carolina, while I was confined to an adolescent um, transitional living center here for six months, and I met Carney Dave, and I met Wallace before I met anyone else in Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I've known them. They know me when I was 17. They met me when I was 17 years old going to meetings there at the clubhouse downtown on Moore Street. Um, that's where they met me. So it's unbelievable to, to, to still be able to see you guys, and it's unbelievable how my life has changed um, from that day until now. But um, again, I, going back to Wilson, I um, was born and raised there, and I, I'm not from an alcoholic home. I was introduced to alcohol at a young age. Obviously, I got sober when I was 18, so I obviously was introduced to alcohol at a much earlier age. And I drank hard, and I drank fast, and I got it done. You know, that's just my style. I don't play around. And, um, and I made it, um, you know, through various institutions and um, facilities, and I made it eventually to to be introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous while I was confined to a long-term, uh, you know, kind of group home type of a treatment center here in Sanford. We were forced to go to meetings every day, and I was introduced to these, these steps and these principles. Um, but I wasn't quite ready to hear the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I ended up um, transitioning back home to my community where Sandy and, and a number of other ladies received me and tried to you know, reach, be, the, be those people, the way that Dixon was talking about the history of AA starting. They, I was the person that well, I was transplanting back into my hometown and they were there to try to receive me, but I wasn't quite ready. I didn't have that degree of hopelessness. I didn't believe, I, for me, I couldn't, I could still imagine a life without alcohol. I wasn't at that place where I could imagine it, you know, couldn't imagine it any other way. And so I continued to drink. Um, I, 
I did a little, you know, I, I made it a little while, but I just only had a, ha a half measure attempt to, to do Alcoholics Anonymous at that time. And um, I returned to drinking, and I, I turned 18 by that time, and I resolved that I was going to um, drink for 10 more years, and that I'd come back to Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 28 years old, and I'd have plenty of time to restart my life, you know? And uh, that was my plan. And I knew I'd have to come back to AA because you were my people. That, what Dixon was making reference to, that language of the heart, that identification that he was talking about had happened in me. I loved members of Alcoholics Anonymous. I loved the fact, the way that we didn't shoot our wounded. I loved the way we didn't pick on each other. I was a person that was picked on my whole life. For, I, for one reason or another, I, I just really loved that I couldn't scare you all. I could, I mean, God bless them, I could scare a church person if I told them the truth about the way that I was living and things I was doing. And I could even scare school counselors. Um, you know, like the places that one would go, one would think to receive help for the condition that I, you know, for alcoholism, I couldn't go to those normal places. And so when I came to you, and couldn't scare you. I tested Sandy out. She was my first sponsor. And I tested her out over dinner before doing a fist tap with her. I dropped her some big ones and just watched her reaction. And I watched, like, did she treat me different later? Did she reject me? Did she, did the other women start backing away or talking about me? And, you know, none of that happened here in Alcoholics Anonymous. And so, I, um, Anyway, I loved AA. I, I said, give me 10 more years. I thought I'd been cheated, you know, good years of drinking. You people got to drink 30 years, and I didn't get anywhere near that. And so I felt like, just give me 10 more, you know. But those, um, those 10 years, you know, did not um, amount to more than three months. And, uh, and I can assure you, I came back, you know, crawling on my hands and my knees. It was bad. And, um, and I, I had a... a, a a dire straight, you know, dire, dire circumstances coming back into Alcoholics Anonymous that were very serious and that were going to last the rest of my life that I had to deal with. And um, so it really um, caught my attention and I reached that point of hopelessness like Silkworth. I also really like to hone in on that. Um, what Silkworth gave our, you know, our early co-founders is that that base of hopelessness that only upon you know, believing that for me there would be no hope, that I was a lost cause, would I be willing and able to accept the spiritual kit of tools laid at my feet um, and to, 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 to implement those things and practice those principles in my life and um, in between meeting hours, only upon that foundation of hopelessness would I be able to have the willingness to do that. And that's been my case. I, I came back to Alcox Anonymous right before Christmas of 98, and I was, there was a willingness that I had never before been able to muster. And it was different. Something was very different. And, um, you know, Dean, who's moved, he was, oh, there he is. He's still over there. But Dean would talk about coming into AA and, and practicing this program to 100% and leaving no stone unturned. And, um, and I just adopted that. And I said, I'm going to do that, too, because I want to know that I had done everything and then if it didn't work, then, then there would be nothing for me, and I would be a hopeless case. And, um, and the miracle is, is that, you know, I stand before you, this is Sandy's line, it's not mine, but I'm not the same woman who walked through these doors, you know, back in 98, that I'm a different person. And one of the ladies that we used to go to the jail with um, uh, says, it's really neat, I love what she says, she says, she's had the opportunity to live two lives in one. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has been, you know. 
I have lived each life to the fullest, um, to, to 100% all out, you know, each life. And, and, and normally that's not possible in a human existence. And what AA has done is that it's made something um, impossible possible. And how has, that, how has that been made possible has been by the practice of the 12 steps and the implementation of these spiritual principles um, in my life, and it's a way of life, it's a way of living, like our, our the specific phrase that our big book says. And, and, and. So, um, I remember that I got sober, you know, the principal's group of Wilson, and uh, we had three meetings a week, or three nights a week, we had four meetings on three nights a week, and I remember coming into that meeting, and I just remember, um, I, d- I didn't identify with the language of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, in many ways, and I, I consider myself to be a fairly educated person, um, but um, even though I did drink a lot, I did get some education in there somehow, but I still didn't identify with the language of Alcoholics Anonymous, and so it took me a while to understand what you guys were talking about. It's almost like you were talking in a foreign language, but I just kept sitting around, and I sat in those meetings before I even got to those steps, and like the principle of just sitting there and letting the information come in, I would just sit there and listen to eight-step meetings, and I would sit there and listen to those steps farther ahead than my progress. But it gave me an idea of where I was headed, and I started absorbing the language and the points and the purpose of everything that they were talking about. And um, I just listened, um, the principle of just being teachable. Sandy really talked about that, just coming in and being teachable. And... Um, and so I started listening, and I started learning the language. And But one of the words that really, really tripped me up was the word principle. I did not understand the word principle. Now, we obviously have the same spelling, or it's the different spelling, but same pronunciation of a school administrator. But that's obviously a different principle than we're talking about. I had my own experiences with those. Um, and uh, I was not allowed to finish high school in a normal school. I finished high school in the in Sanford at a tra- uh, an alternative school. And so, um, anyway, but I, I thought I'd look up the definition. That's one of the things that I was taught in AA. It said um, to look up the definition of the words. There's a lot of words in the big book that I don't understand. Even in my own copy of the big book, I have a little specific dictionary that's not conference-proof, but it's got all the words of the big book that are questionable in it. And I just turned it out like, do you know what that means? Rachel and I were using that this week. Like, we just opened it and we're like, do you know what this means? And we just looked these words up that people don't use anymore. And it's, um, But I go to a dictionary and look this up. So I'm also, I also speak Spanish, but I'm an, uh, an English learner by birth, or an English speaker by birth, and so I love to go to English learners' definitions of things, because they're so, Mary speaks multiple languages, and so um, they really help me. They're really clear-cut and simple, and so, you know, it's the first thing that I found in my translator was that a principle is a basic rule, a moral tenant, a personal rule, or a natural rule. And then, like that English language, language learner's definition of principle is a moral rule or belief that helps you to know what's right and wrong and that influences your actions. A basic truth or theory, an idea that forms the basis of something, or a law or fact of nature that explains how something works or why something happens. And so that was kind of helpful for me, like just to look it up and to kind of get an idea. And I think of three sets when I was preparing for this, I did not do as much preparation as Dixon, but it's a different topic, you know, like that was, you did a great job. Um, but um, the, um, there's three sets of principles that I kind of 
have been introduced here to Alcoholics Anonymous that, that have kind of resonated with me, some more than others. One thing that I think most of us have all heard is that there's a, there's a common um, belief that that each step has one principle of, affiliated with it. Now, that's not the one that necessarily resonates the most with me. It's not that I deny the existence of those principles, but I personally have not I identified just one with every step. Like I've identified that at times one overlaps or one shared with another step. And so, but I have that listed and I thought I'd read those to you. Like just the one word. Um, Bill W. considered each step to be a spiritual principle in and of itself. However, particularly in the 12 and 12, he outlined the spiritual principles behind each step. And the most important of these, he said, was humility. And so, um, you know, step one, honesty. Step two, hope. Step three, faith. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. Step six, willingness. Step seven, humility. Step eight, brotherly love. Step nine, discipline. Step 10, perseverance. Step 11, spirituality. Step 12, service. So that's like a nice starting point. But again, um, you know, little by little was I able to, um, you know, kind of uh, extrapolate that same information like from one step I've been learned that I can I can practice honesty with with self in a sixth step you know like being honest that this defect is a bigger problem than I want to admit or something like that and so um, again I, that that list exists and um, is very common in I think treatment center formats and stuff like that but it, it's one set of principles that I was introduced to and then what I really liked then there's another set of principles that we hear a lot in AA are our AA slogans and um, and those are technically like sets that their principles um, put out so like one day at a time that I focus on the present um, that life is nothing more than like a series of moments, single moments, and that I capture in on this single moment, one day at a time. We often in AA take it back to one minute at a time, one second at a time. Um, but just no small increments add up to be a longer period of time. Um, easy does it that we must take things slowly. The steps are in order for a reason, um, and that they were um, change as a process, and that don't get ahead or out of order in my process. That I'm not ready to make amends with a ninth step. I did this, of course, you know, but like I go and apologize, like when I have a month sober, and and the change hadn't occurred yet. So easy does it. Wait for instruction. Be teachable, and c consult others, <laughs> you know, like what Dixon was presenting. It is, and then um, another one is let go and let God is one um, that I can't control everything. I am, just this morning, I have orchestrated both of my children in this next hour will be showing up at their next, um, their, their, their first practice of baseball and softball at different fields at the same time. And, um, and so I hope everything has been lined up because if they reach out to me now, I am out of service, you know, and uh, I am unavailable. But like, so this idea of like not being able to control everything, like I told Josh in the car this morning, I was like, Josh. I need you to drive. You know, I'm like, I have been, I have orchestrated more than a human should have to orchestrate just this morning about prior to you picking me up at nine o'clock. So I just need, I want you to make all the decisions. I just want to follow it. You know, and like, that's a spiritual principle I'm trying to practice everywhere. You know, it's just like, take over, 
I don't have to control all this stuff, and I can be a passenger. And I don't think I drove him crazy today in that passenger seat. So we'll ask Josh later if he agrees with that or not. And uh, so um, I really appreciated one of the ways that I'm going to go to next you know, spirituality versus religion, it's different. And that was kind of like something here um, that that we don't need necessarily one to practice the other. But um, I love where Dixon ended off because he talked about AA growing to the point that it expanded to other um, countries. And that's one of my other list of principles that I'll go to in just a second um, about um, most of the most spiritual principles are accepted across religions. And so that's really fascinating and really neat. And it doesn't insist that it has to be like a Christianity perspective, a Christian perspective or introduction or base like it started out being. And so um, uh, here's one. Keep it simple. You know, stupid is sometimes added at the end, you know. And um, the smarter members are often the ones that need it more than anybody, you know. And I I am a smart person with a tendency to over-intellectualize, you know. And so, um, just keep it simple. Sandy was really good for me with that. Like, she would tell me, like, if I, I felt the need to over-explain and give a, a, a reason why. I, I had to say something uncomfortable, and I, I would, I would want to give too much information. And she would just say, Sarah, more is usually worse, you know. So she would say, just keep it simple. You don't have to give an explanation. Just tell them you can't do it. You know, and keep it simple. Like that was a principle that was introduced in my life by good sponsorship from the very beginning. Um, and uh, and I've, I've definitely, you know, struggled with myself and with ladies that I've sponsored over the years about, you know, AA is not an academic program. It's, it's a spiritual program. And so one of the things that it's fun to do, you know, it's necessary to do literature studies. It is necessary, but if if my base of if my base of relating to Alcoholics Anonymous is only on an academic level, and if I don't know how to apply what I'm learning in between my meetings with these principles, then it will never serve me. And so that's one of the things that I've definitely you know walked through myself and with ladies that I sponsor. Um, Steve, you're getting kind of tired. I might have to. <laughs> am, I, am I boring? I hope I'm not boring you. I'm just picking on you. Sorry, Steve. Um, so, um, anyway, so uh, progress, not perfection, is another principle that's introduced here in Alcoholics Anonymous is that, you know, I'm a person with the self centeredness that I've learned I have in the third step um, is is that I always blow things out of proportion as it relates to me. You know, selfishness and self-centeredness is going to affect me in many different ways. And one of those ways is that I've always sought for, for, for perfection, and in failing perfection, like, I just give up. And, um, and so one of the ways that's really been a principle that's been put in my life in Alcoholics Anonymous is that persistence that, that, that we, we, you know, the net um, that... that Five steps forward, maybe one step back. No big deal, I guess, as long as we have, uh, you know, more steps forward than going back and, um, and not letting that self-centeredness manifest um, in, uh, in, in that perfectionism and, and things like that. Uh, nothing changes if nothing changes. 
Um, if I continue to make the same, if the, if the same behaviors, the same unspiritual behaviors continue, I, I live with that in my first journey through the sixth and the seventh step is that I came in, like a, someone in our, our circle used to say that if you have a sober, or if you have a drunken horse thief and you get him sober, you often have a sober horse thief. And so a lot of the, the, the behaviors were still the same coming into Alcoholics Anonymous, and that really came up for question when I got to step six and seven in that first journey through the steps is that I had to decide whether I was all in this program if I was out of this program. Like I had to have both feet on one side of the fence like we talk about. And I had to make some real lifestyle changes. And I always like to compare it to that old kit of spiritual, like that, that old toolkit. Like I'm presented a spiritual toolkit here in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I had an old toolkit that, you know, semi worked for me, you know, when I was drinking. And, um, and, and that was in the, the path, the road began to narrow, you know, the path narrowed and what used to be acceptable was no longer acceptable. And one of the things in my journey with spiritual principles is that I've learned is that the violation of a spiritual principle has a natural spiritual consequence. And that's one of the things, and it was like Dixon was saying, like when he presented it, is that there are things that will block me from being able to progress spiritually. And if I insist to, if I insist on keeping certain things in my life, I mean, they use very religious terminology, obviously for reasons that he was, it was a religious program at that time. But, but if I have things blocking me, if I've got unspiritual behaviors going on, then I'm not going to be able to advance that so far because I'm not, you know, fully in the sunlight of the spirit. And so, um, you know, just a lot of things like that. First things first is um, kind of, um, it's kind of, kind of similar to, you know, one already mentioned, but, you know, just kind of learning how to, um, just first things first for me is, I learned this one with Sandy again. Do you see how instrumental she was for me in my early sobriety? I didn't know how to live life. I got sober, and every day was overwhelming to me. I didn't know how to live without drinking. I mean, I'd started drinking very young, so that's just really all I knew. And um, and so I would face life, and, and things as simple as returning a phone call would give me the most overwhelming um, anxiety of, of fear, of not knowing how to do just those simple things that normal people would do. And Sandy would teach me, I didn't know how to clean my house, you know, and I would, I would go in circles cleaning the house. Like I would just do a little bit in every single room and I would never get anything accomplished because I would do something in every single room. And Sandy would say, okay, first things first, you know, just finish this one that you started first, you know, and it's kind of like the one day at a time principle too, but first things first, just finish that room. And when you're done with that room, you can go to the next thing. And it's kind of like shoemaker stick to my last. It's about many things done, you know, can, many things can be done poorly. My goal is to do a few things sometimes well, you know, very well. And so that's another principle, you know, like there's so many principles. And so that's, per, that's why I personally have not been locked to this idea of like that there's one principle for every step because I've just named so many different principles that I've discussed discovered, um, you know, through this, this path, through the sponsorship, through a home group that I've been able to start incorporating in, and, and it's given me a way to live. This has been a program that's given me a way to live. And so, um, I think that's faith without works is dead. Dixie mentioned this one too, and what he was saying, like the service, you know, that's one of the things that Rachel and I were just reading literature last week, and, um, and it, it talks about, um, you know, some people will come to Alcoholics Anonymous. This isn't the wording that the book used, but, but people will come and, and want their lives to change. And, and, and then if it's not 
if it's not, if service is not an element. It was like you were saying with the co-founders of AA, that, that Bill was really on service. That was his thing, and, and, and identification was necessary for one alcoholic to identify with another, that language of the heart to occur. If that didn't occur, then, then the program would be incomplete. Well, Bill's program was incomplete because he lacked the spirituality, you know, other components and that great nature of, hope, hope, uh, of alcoholism that, that Silkworth presents. You know, like it was, it was an incomplete picture. And so therefore, like if my, if faith without works is dead, my sobriety is an incomplete picture, therefore will not give the full results promised of this program. And so I have to be careful not to stay in that, that taking position of Alcoholics Anonymous where it's not just about me coming to Alcoholics Anonymous and getting a life back and getting things back and getting position back, but it's that I must, I must, it's a must of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I must have that component of working with others if I, if I expect to have the results of this program. And so, um, you know, those were, that was another set of principles that I, I, I've, I've, I've kind of presented today. Is one is that single principle that, that goes with every step, and then we have that, the AA slogans, which are principles. And then the final one that I wanted to present um, was, um, has to do with, you know, spiritual principles of Alcoholics Anonymous um, that have been extrapolated or can be shared with many other religions. And, um, these were really, um, these were really great. I, I thought this, um, some of the ones that they have listed are um, the golden rule, the law of reciprocity, um, do unto others as you would have done to you, which is from Christianity. Um, honor of father, mother, elders, ancestors is common in in. in almost all of world's religions, knowing our past, knowing our ancestors, um, uh, speaking the truth um, from Confucius, um, sincerity is the way to heaven, and to think how to be sincere is the way of man. Um, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Um, generosity, charity, and kindness will open an individual to unbound reservoir of, of riches. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me, the promises of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, uh, heaven is within that concept that God is within. Um, even as the scent dwells within the flower, so God within thine own heart for, forever abides. Sikhism, you know. And um, love thy neighbor, conquer with love, and all you need is love is another one. Acts of faith, prayer, and deep meditation provide us with a strength that allows love for our fellow man to become an abiding part of our lives. Love is a unifying, unifying force. You know, that's that's what we do here at Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what I felt first with you people of Alcoholics Anonymous, where I, I didn't connect with, with other groups that tried to help me. I felt, more than anything, the brotherhood of man here in this world. It, it may have been a grim jest before coming in here, but in Alcoholics Anonymous, it was real. And that was, it was, it was, it was, it changed my life. It, it, it got through to me a lost person. And, um, and it was really neat. Blessed are the peacemakers. When people live in the awareness that there's a close kinship between all individuals and nations, peace is the natural result. Um, another one, you reap what you sow. This is the great mystery of human life. Aware or unaware, all are ruled by this inevitable law of nature. And that's kind of why I really liked in the early definition presented is that it's, it's a natural law. You know, principles can be natural laws. It just happens. You know, if I put out negative in the world, it's going to come back to me. Um, and uh, let's see. Man does not live by bread alone. The blessings of life are deeper than what can be appreciated by the senses. 
do no harm. If someone tries to hurt another, it means that he or she is perceiving that person as something separate and foreign. And it's, it's really, I love alcohol as I no longer have that fear that I used to have. I used to have an intense fear that someone was going to take advantage of me, someone was going to hurt me or take something that was mine. And what's been beautiful here in Alcoholics Anonymous is that I no longer have that fear. They don't even have the ability to do that to me because what I have is a, is a trust and a faith that lasts, that is so deep that I know that they may take something in this moment that may belong to me, but I know that long-term it's going to come right back and fill it and more. If, I, if, my, if my path, if my walk, if my actions are based on spiritual principles, and it's, it doesn't even matter. people. And it is so nice to know that no longer have that fear that someone's out to get something that I, that, that I deserve or somebody's going to take something that's mine. It does not even exist anymore. And that is such a freedom that I've obtained from working the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, be slow to anger is probably the biggest. Jerry called me yesterday. I was practicing being slow to anger with remote education of my children. (laughs) Enough said, you know. Um, But that was, you know... He who holds back rising anger like a rolling chariot, him I call a real driver. Others only hold the reins, Buddha, you know. And um, there is but one God, or God is love. Nature being the absolute, whatever name man chooses, there is but one God. All people and all things are of one essence. And the last one is follow the spirit of the scriptures, not the words. Kind of like what that, you know, that was already presented this morning, Dixon. And study the words, no doubt, but look behind them to the thought they indicate. And having found it, throw away the words themselves as chaff when you have sifted out the grain Hinduism. You know, and so that was another thing, too, is that there are so many principles here that I've been able to find in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, so... I'm going to be mindful of the time, um, but I do have, I'm going to just kind of go into this last little part. Um, So when I came into AA, you know, um, there's two things that I want to kind of present. It's a car wash receipt that has a coupon on it. Um, I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, Okay. So again, uh, what I was... um, when I was reading, again, poor Rachel, she had to sit through these early readings um, this week of the big book. And sometimes they're hard. And it's like, you know, like Dixon would say, like, we try to make these exciting. We try to make these interesting. I mean, it's our, I try to be enthusiastic. But sometimes it's hard to sit through that initially. But we were trying, and they have a really nice description in the forward to the second edition of, of principle of the steps. You know, it says, we discovered the principles by which an individual alcoholic could live. And so, like, that is what the steps have become for me. What that's the definition of the steps for me. They're principles by which the individual alcoholic can live. And then they they just kind of flowingly go into, well, if we can say that about the steps, then we can say that about the traditions too. That the traditions are um, principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. And so we're born our 12 traditions in this moment that they were talking about it. And um, and our steps, you know, grew out of the Oxford groups and things like that. And one other reference that I like to make, and then the concepts came along too, that we are sometimes more slow to study, but they do come in handy. We used one recently in our home group at our business meeting this week. And, um, and so 
I like to always make reference. You know, the big book came out first, and it was in existence, if I understand things correctly, for 16 years, and that's how I was originally taken through the steps and introduced to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous because it was, that's how the early members were introduced to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then 16 years later, these chapters and these essays came out um, to supplement that information, and that's where the 12 and 12 came out. And, um, and in the forward it says, um, it says, AA's 12 steps are a group of principles spiritual in nature, in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. Now that's a pretty profound statement and it can be, you know, like it makes me want to break that down um, and even think about that in parts. And um, so the steps are a group of principles, spiritual principles they say specifically. And the next thought is that if practice is a way of life, meaning, ah, this might be a bold statement, but if I could venture to say why AA's work for me and maybe why, I don't know, why maybe it's work for me, that's I'll just go there. I have sincerely tried to take the things that I learn in this program and I really have sincerely tried to apply them in every moment of my life. In all honesty, I am at spiritual unrest if I'm in conflict with these spiritual principles. I don't have peace. And so I tend to be less tolerant of unrest. I do not like to be uncomfortable. I have a mind that is intolerable to live with, you know. And so the more unspiritual things that I've got going on, like, I need to eliminate those. So I've been well motivated to practice this program because I cannot live with myself, let alone other people living with me, you know. And so... um, I mean, some people can, one person in particular can attest to that in this room. And so, um, so, so, but that's the thing is that I have to practice this as a way of life. And that's where, you know, one of those principles that I've already presented, the progress, not perfection. I am not perfect. I'm doing a book study right now on the six and seven step with a sponsee. And like, I just kind of sat down and listed like all the things that I still hate about myself that have created divide between me and other people. And I listed like 12 things that I just wish were different. And I wish, and, and so I'm still in the process. I want to be molded. And I still believe that this process, like this has a pro, this is a process that I'm connected with that has the ability to work on everything. Um, maybe not as fast as I want it to be worked on, but, but everything. And so um, it's just really about practice, and this is a way of life. If I could say why those things work for me, I think it's because I sincerely try to practice it as a way of life. And even when people aren't looking, and when nobody knows, it's kind of like that, that idea of, like, I take the right action regardless of reward or recognition or regardless of who's watching. Like, that's the kind of integrity that this principle has also had to come into my life is that it's, it's about I'm going to feel bad if I don't do the right thing. If I treat someone poorly, if I talk to someone in the wrong way, I feel awful after I violate that spiritual principle. And so, um, so anyway, so these steps, which are a group of spiritual principles, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink. And that's like, that in itself holds promise, that it can, it can take away the obsession. And I don't know how many of you, I know some people come in here and are freed from the obsession to drink from the time they come in. And I'm excited for you, but that was not my experience, you know, like... 
I lived with it um, for a long time, and it was torture. And it was it, it went it, it was really strong initially getting sober, and I, I really leaned on a sponsor in those early days, just walking me through every day. You know, hitting my knees, incorporating the prayer, the principles, the tools that I was being taught. Somebody we had we have a newcomer at our meeting who's joined virtually, never been to an in-person meeting, and he, he talks about how much he gets out of the program, and it's just the the most sincere honest, uh, you know, newcomer appraisal, like, I couldn't wait till Friday night to get connected with you guys again, because I've received so much from being connected with you. I mean, it was just inspiring last night at my home group, Um, and and so, but it, it can expel the obsession drink, and that's what these steps have been able to do for me. It's expelled. It's kicked it out. Tom, I used to say that. What does expel mean? It means that's like what you do to people in school. You know, like you get, I got expelled, you know, like um, enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. And so like what promise that holds to, to be happy and useful in a life. And I didn't know that um, prior to coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, and so one of the things that I was taught to do from that point is, um, oh, that's where I was going to use that other bookmarker, but I know where everything is. So if we, um, so then what I've been taught to do is that it's kind of like connecting ideas. Like that's what Dixon was pointing out. And, and little by little, all these little ideas have connected. And all those things that you shared about the history, when you said every organization, what they believed in, what was so important, what I've tried to do is make sure that my program is a complete program. Because if they thought it was important, it's probably necessary that I've got to have that as a part of my program too. So I'm particularly fascinated with that stuff. Because sometimes through the years, and sometimes through word of mouth, I lose the integrity, you know, anyone loses the integrity of a message. And so I particularly like to to hear that stuff because I want to build it into my program. I want to stay here. I don't want to I don't want to drink again. I don't want to sicken and die. And so I believe that I just sometimes need a refresher of what should my program include. And I walked away from what Dixon said this morning like with with a plan of like certain things that need to be different in my life um, coming out of this. And so but what I was taught is that you know, what, they, what he also presented was that, that we found that a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience was a vital, you know, uh, I'm, I'm lacking the, the, I can't quote very well, but like was a vital necessity to alcoholic sufferers. You know, that's what they were talking about, those forwards and in doctor's, um, doctor's opinion. But we doctors who are, you know, man-made science, um, synthetic knowledge, we can't produce that kind of a psychic um, change or that spiritual awakening or spiritual experience. And so, you, you know, if I need a spiritual experience or spiritual awakening to, to recover from alcoholism, how do I do that? You know, and, and what's neat is that that's where I begin to connect stuff is that the 12 steps written is that having had a spiritual awakening, spiritual experience, a.k.a. synonym, you know, there, having had a spiritual awakening as the, you know, in, in grammar, that's a singular result. A spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience is a singular result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And so that's what... Um, 
that's the good news that, that, that this program offers is that we have a way to create. We found out a way. Not we didn't invent it. You know, obviously Dixon laid all that out for us. But we have a way written down right here on how to create a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience that has the ability to reverse the killer illness and has the ability to, to relieve the obsession of the drink and enable me to become a happy and usefully whole person. And that's all I ever wanted. That's all I ever wanted. That's why I drank. I wanted to be happy and whole. Like, I watched people. I remember um, my drinking was, was ugly. It was not pretty at all. And I often, if I had a car, if I was doing good, I, I slept outside a lot, too. I'm, I'm a country girl. And, uh, but if I had a car, excuse me, um, if I had a car, I would come to some mornings when the sun would be coming up and I would watch the world wake up. And I would watch people go, leave their houses, and I would watch them go to work. And I, I would watch them, and it looked so far away, and it looked so impossible. Like, how, am I, how would I ever be able to do something like that? How do they maintain relationships in their lives? How do they have families? How do they maintain a home, have a home, pay for a home? I would, I would be sitting in my car after a terrible night of who knows what, just use your imagination. And I would watch the world come awake, and I would wonder how they did that. And what's so beautiful about Alcoholics Anonymous is that it is, it has given me a path that basically promises that. If I practice these principles as a way of life, um, I can have that too. And I have been able to find that here in Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a family today. Um, I'm not a perfect example of a family member. I smile at the other parents here, you know. It's the hardest place for me in my home to practice these principles. I have a job today. I have a career today that an AA member took a chance on me and gave me a part-time, you know, temporary job at an office that has grown into my profession. That I have been at the same profession now, at the same office for 17 years. How does that happen? You know, and I, um, I have a life today that... that I, I just never imagined would be possible for me coming from those Roach Motels of 301, you know, where I'm from. And uh, that's a long way. Coming from that car, you know, when I was lucky enough to have a car, um, sitting and watching the world wake up and then go to their responsibilities. And so that's what AA has given me, is, uh, is, a, is a promised way that I can obtain those things just if I, if I practice these principles. Um, learn about these principles and incorporate them into the way that I live and mostly like what we were talking about um, uh, I think Deborah said it this week or recently on a meeting we were at it together is that, you know, we were talking about the third step. Um, that, that my my will, I turn my will in my life over, my thinking and my actions. And that what Alcoholics Anonymous has been able to do is that first it changed my actions because I began to operate based on spiritual principles. And then next, little by little, it began to change my thinking. Sandy used to tell me, she's like, listen, you can think about robbing a bank all day long, but as long as you don't go rob that bank, you're technically not going to suffer the consequences. You know, and that was the perfect example for me. And I understood the third step and the thinking and my actions and the difference between those two forever, you know, forevermore after she introduced that you know, that principle is that they're different. And um, and so AA has had the ability, first it changed my actions, and then little by little my thinking has changed. And I'm not the same woman that walked through these doors. So uh, I am finishing a couple minutes early. I want this to be noted um, because I am, I, am, I am used to voting over time as well. So um, 
Anyway, I want to thank you guys for having me. I hope I did what you wanted me to do, and uh, I look forward to spending the rest of the day with you.